Welcome to United in Dance, a Dance Nova Scotia podcast. We would like to acknowledge that this podcast was recorded in Mi'kma'ki, the ancestral and unceded territory of the Mi'kmaq people, which is covered by the treaties of peace and friendship, which Mi'kmaq and Wolaskakwe people first signed with the British Crown in 1725. In each episode, Dance Nova Scotia brings you interesting and little-known facts about dance. In this episode, we're diving into a dance world record you may not have heard of. Most people know Bollywood as being famous for big dance numbers. But did you know that the largest dance number involved 9,219 participants? This record was achieved by the Maratha Mandal Group of Institutions in India at the Maratha Mandal Engineering College in Belgaum, India on February 5th, 2017. The event was organized to instill patriotism among students and to show respect to soldiers who defend the nation. Have a dance fact you want to share? Send it to us by email at office at dancens.ca and it may be featured in a future episode of United in Dance. Dance Nova Scotia recognizes the support of the province of Nova Scotia. We are pleased to work in partnership with the Department of Communities, Culture, Tourism and Heritage to develop and promote our cultural resources for all Nova Scotians. Dance Nova Scotia is proud to announce the future creation of a new youth bursary program. This initiative represents a significant step forward in the organization's commitment to fostering inclusivity and ensuring that every child has the opportunity to experience dance, regardless of financial constraints. The new youth bursary program is being designed to address financial barriers that Nova Scotia youth and young dancers may encounter in their introduction to or journey in dance. The program aims to provide financial assistance to youth and families for costs associated with dance classes, training, workshops, and performance opportunities, ensuring that no youth is left behind. Fundraising for the new bursary program has begun with Dance Nova Scotia reaching out to community, philanthropists, and dance enthusiasts for support. Contributions can be made directly through the organization's website at dancens.ca or through our Canada Helps page on canadahelps.org. Being a charitable nonprofit organization, all donations will receive a tax receipt, and every donation, regardless of size, will make a meaningful impact on our community of youth. Dance Nova Scotia is excited about the potential of the Youth Bursary Program to make a positive difference in the lives of young dancers, and through this initiative, the organization reinforces its commitment to ensuring that dance remains an art form accessible to all. Stay tuned for more information on this exciting and important new program as it continues to develop. Hello and welcome to United in Dance, the Dance Nova Scotia podcast. Each episode we'll be bringing you discussions on topics in dance and conversations with special guests around the province and across Canada. On today's episode, we're joined by chiropractor Dr. Ryan Robichaud and massage therapist Ryan Young from the Choice Health Centres. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of United in Dance, the Dance Nova Scotia podcast. 
This episode, we are joined by Dr. Ryan Robichaud, chiropractor, and Brian Young, registered massage therapist. I, full transparency, have known these gentlemen for a few years, and we've talked about some of the things that happens with dancers from an early age and when they get into you know, high school and into their, their later careers. And I thought it would be a really great way to talk about some of the hurdles and the challenges when it comes to physicality and what dancers can do at an early age and all of that kind of stuff. So I invited them to come on because I have also been a patient of both of them. And I can say that um, they have treated me quite well. So I thought that they would be two gentlemen who would be able to bring Bring some really interesting uh, information to the table. Gentlemen, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for, Thanks for having us. us. And as, as I said, I've, I've known you for a bit and I, I do, I respect and I value your opinion on things. And I've learned a lot from both of you just from not even just as a patient, but just from having conversations about things that I've seen people experience and I've come to you to kind of ask about. When we're talking about the world of dance, we are talking about some individuals who use their bodies to do incredible things. Dance can be anything from, you know, a small movement to an incredibly large explosive movement. So I'm curious from your standpoints, what you've seen in the past that has been, I guess what I I would ask is, what is one of the most common things that you've seen that maybe could have been avoided, especially in a a physical world like dance? Mr. Robichaud, I'll start with you. Um, just to put it into perspective, so I, I've worked with a lot of really high-end elite athletes who have very demanding training, uh, workout, competition schedules. And when I recently started working with dancers about two, three years ago, I was even blown away at how demanding their their schedules are. If they're not competing, they're practicing. If they're not practicing, they're doing some type of training uh, most of the dancers I've worked with are either dancing in competition or practicing five to seven days a week. So it's it's general, but the most common injury we see with dancers is just repetitive use injuries. Whether you're a five-year-old dancer or a 25-year-old professional dancer, when your activity level is that high, your recovery level needs to be really high. And I think a lot of adolescent dancers, and that's where you start seeing a lot of the increase start they're just thinking about dancing 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 they're not necessarily thinking about recovery yet so there's I, I wouldn't say there's one specific injury i see most often i think definitely lower extremity injuries so ankle knee hips legs those kinds of things but most of them are from repetitive use so too much dance not enough recovery look i'm going to echo everything dr ryan uh, dr Robichaud uh, had to say there and I similarly have, have been very fortunate to be able to work with quite a number of dancers and similarly have a background in sports medicine, orthopedics, working with very, very physical individuals. And, and I have to say, dancers are some of the toughest athletes I've ever seen. What they put them, themselves through, people often think of it just as an art form. But as you mentioned, Kenny, it's very, very physical. And with respect to young people entering the world of dance, there, there's a transition and it happens in all sports. The transition from playfulness and playing to when you start increasing the volume of time, and as Dr. Robichaud mentioned, the repetitive impacts and strains on the body that go along with an increased volume during the week, 
the transition from being playful to training something else that we need to kind of consider with you know young people entering through going through that transition is growth plates things like that that's something we have to be very aware of in our treatments depending on what the injury is and i think that's the biggest thing they fall in love with it they love it they enter a program where there's a schedule and we kind of maybe miss sometimes how to better prepare them for the long run we we see that they love it so much and we want to say yes we say yes to all the things all the extra camps and the lessons and things like that because they love it and that's as a parent i can totally relate to that but thinking hmm what are they putting their little body through and we want to be able to set them up for long-term success kind of dovetails into one of the questions and i know that probably who who's listening right now will be a lot of parents and i think you're right i think that you know they want their children to be happy and when they see something that excites them that they don't necessarily know when to look for certain things when you're going through that transition from playfulness to, you know, a more rigorous uh, activity that's getting to the point where, you know, now I'm getting the, the thoughts of competition in my head. And I mean, competition starts quite early. For parents thinking about putting their kids into dance, is there stuff that they should be thinking of before they do that? Or I guess maybe once they've tried it out and the kid's really take to it, what should they be looking for or thinking of uh, in terms of, you know, what to watch for, I guess? Yeah. So that kind of goes back to what I'd mentioned about the repetitive use stuff. So if you're going from what Ryan mentioned, you know, playfulness into more competition, once you start getting that repetitive use, whether you're learning new choreography or if you're getting ready for competition, you're usually doing similar movements over and over and over again. So usually, you know, that it takes weeks, if not months for those to come on. But when they finally do come on, they're, they're a lot more difficult to rehab once you have it compared to if you can catch it early. So what I tell all of my young athletes is, and their, and their parents is if they start complaining of an injury, you know, if it's the first time that they've complained of it, let them do one more practice or one more whatever. If they're complaining of the same type of pain or that same type of injury, and it's been, you know, a day or two since the last time, but it's still there, it's now worth talking to physiotherapist, chiropractor, massage therapy to get an opinion of what is going on here. Is this a tendonitis that is starting to develop? Catching a tendonitis very early um, is a lot easier to rehab that injury than trying to rehab a full-blown, fully set tendonitis that's been there for weeks, if not months. That's when we start getting into the difference of a handful of treatments and some at-home exercises and strengthening and some mobility work to prevent this from getting any worse versus, wow, this is full-blown tendinopathy or tendonitis. Now we're talking about you taking a month, two months off of dance entirely uh, and no athlete, dancer, any athlete wants to take that amount of time off to rehab an injury. So soon as you start feeling something that doesn't feel right, that is the best time to either tell the parent or the parent to pick up on that from the child, constantly checking in, especially if you're a parent to a, a, a young dancer, an ad- adolescent dancer. How is practice tonight? How are you feeling? You know, how are the, how are the legs feeling? How's the back? How's the feet? 
and just checking in with them to see if there's anything coming on. And if there is, and if it's something that you're hearing more than once, it's it's certainly worth getting an opinion from a professional to see if this is just a one-off thing or if this is something that, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought them in. This is the early onset of a tendonitis and, and now we can actually do something um, quickly and get you back into dancing, you know, next week. Absolutely. And just again, from my own experience, if you can have the conversation with your kids and ask the questions and get accurate answers out of them, that's fantastic. Especially if the kid loves it and they have an inkling that if they give a truthful answer, it may mean they're not allowed to go. I mean, we see that all the time. So being a little bit covert about it as a parent, just watching they're down on the floor playing Legos and they go to get up and there was some, mm, that wasn't as smooth as it usually is. And just paying a close attention to kind of just, just subtle changes in movements that you see them do all the time and kind of having the, the conversation with them and setting the precedent for them that, look, I understand you love doing this. I love seeing you like as happy as you are. It's fantastic for us to see, but this is putting your body through a lot more. And we don't want it to get to a point where it ends up being too much and you get hurt. And then we have to miss some of it to get you better again. So we want to be smart about it from the beginning and just try to have those conversations to lay this foundation for, for them to feel like they can tell you if it's starting to be a little bit achy or sore. And then like Dr. Robichaud, you can kind of get right on top of it. One of the things that I, and again, not, I'm not a parent, uh, Brian, you are a parent and you know you see these things, Brian Young, you're a parent. I, I look at this and I think, I think that we have this concept that treatment like chiro or physio or massage therapy is an adult form of treatment and that we don't necessarily think of it for a younger age. So I'm curious, you know, I mean, with between massage or chiro or just in general, is there an age that's too young or is there, is there no real kind of cutoff and should parents be kind of looking at that and saying, you know, they're, they're dancing, they're going every once a week. Now may not be the time, but now that they're starting to do it like a few times a week, is it smart to get them into uh, treatment, uh, I guess, a bit earlier or get them looked at to make sure that things are moving well? It's it's a question that I don't have, I wouldn't have an answer to. You know, I, I'm not around kids that much to see the difference in their mobility and, and their movement and stuff like that. But I'm sure as a parent and also as somebody who's, you know, treating, you know, sports injuries all the time, Dr. Ravishaw, you probably see it and say, ah, if we only could have caught it, you know, when they were this age or... Yeah, good point. That is the golden statement is if we could only have seen this, you know, two weeks ago or a month ago or whatever. Uh, and it's a good question. It, it's it's really hard to say, you know, oh, hindsight's 2020, I should have brought them in two weeks ago kind of thing. But there's there's no really, there's no time that's really too early. There's all kinds of treatment that is great for adolescents, that is very gentle, it's not scary to the athlete. We can really tailor it to any age. You know, I've seen athletes as, as young as five years old, um, but the majority, I would say, of injuries that are happening in in youth is usually from that, like those like early teenage years. And the example I always give the parents is they're now strong enough to hurt themselves. You know, yes, they're very resilient, but you just think about how much a child grows from, you know, 10 to 15, like there's so much growth happening there. Certain connective tissues aren't growing quite as quickly as the bones are. It's really easy to develop injuries around those ages when you're doing any activity 
three, four, five, seven times a week. So the best practice is if you're about to jump up a level in, you know, in, in competition, if you're going from dancing, you know, once or twice a week to, to three or four times a week or to, to five to seven times a week, that level of athleticism at a baseline should have some type of check-in with whatever your preferred rehab profession is at the start of whatever that season may be. So a lot of the time when I first meet a new adolescent uh, patient with their parent, that first time I meet them, it's often the injury has already occurred. Then in the future, now they know, okay, so next year when dance season picks up, we're going to go check in with Dr. Ryan, see how everything's looking. If there's any off-season injuries that are a little bit nagging still from last year, we're not going to start this heavy season of dance and still, until we've had that checked out. So once your child or once that adolescent athlete has, has, has bumped up a level into you know doing something multiple times a week, that is a good time. Even if there's no complaint of an injury, let's just check in with a physio, chiro, massage, see if there's any opportunities here or anything that we can pick up on injury prevention that we can do before, you know, the five nights a week of dance starts to avoid any of these types of injuries. So there's no real age that's, that's too young. Um, there's plenty of things, you know, a treatment with a five-year-old is obviously going to look a lot different than a treatment with a 15 year old or an 18 year old or a 25 year old, but there's plenty of things we can do. We can tailor it to that individual, their comfort level, their tolerances to treatment. So there's, there's no real age that's, that's too young. Brian Young, as yeah. a massage therapist too, mm-hmm. I know that you, you practice fascial stretch therapy, which I believe the, the new name is Frederick stretch therapy. Correct, um, yeah. And I'm curious from your standpoint too, what that looks like, I guess, for a younger person. So a couple of things, anytime I'm, I meet a new young person, I have a parent come in to be able to kind of help give me assistance in ensuring that the young person feels comfortable. Typically I treat them clothed. So the, the automatic assumption for massage therapy, because that is how we're taught in school, is that you disrobe laying a vulnerable position on the table and the therapist starts working with their hands on you. When it comes to young people, it's a whole new experience having someone push on their bodies. It, it's They're not quite sure what to do oftentimes if they're really young. So I, I treat them in, if it's yoga pants and a t-shirt or tank top or shorts, whatever they're comfortable in, anything that they would wear to the gym or to dance class. So that's the first thing. They're better clothed on the table. And it kind of looks like you'd see on the sidelines of any sporting event is is what the treatment would look like. So with with the fascial stretch therapy or Frederick stretch therapy, it's a very slow form of stretching applied by the therapist. And you're watching their breathing. You're kind of letting the cadence of their breathing guide how fast you move when you transition from one direction to the other. It almost looks like, pardon the connection, but it almost looks like a choreographed dance when you're (laughs) watching someone perform the treatment on someone. You're basically just waiting for the tissue to soften and not forcing it into new ranges. When we're working on young people, we're very cautious of what kind of stage of growth they're in. I mentioned growth plates earlier. So there are certain things you're aware of, not torquing or twisting certain areas, you know, limbs. It's meant to be a very gentle and subtle means of working the tissue. So it's meant to be very gentle. You get them to focus on their breathing and you just try to navigate where the areas of opportunity for improvement are. Asking them questions, you try to treat it as an exercise in helping them develop more body awareness. 
hey, when, I, when I'm leaning this way and I'm pulling on you this way, how, where, where do you feel that? And have them speak to it. So you're trying to help them develop a sense of body awareness as well. That's going to serve them really well in their career with dance. We'll be right back with more of our conversation with chiropractor Dr. Ryan Robichaud and massage therapist Ryan Young. Get ready to put on your dancing shoes because the 2024 Nova Scotia Dance Week is here and it's bigger and better than ever. For one incredible week, Nova Scotia will be moving to the rhythm of dance. Join us for a week-long celebration of dance in all its forms. Even if you've never danced before, now's the perfect time to start. And once again, included in Dance Week is the Dare to Dance School program. It's all about bringing the joy of dance to schools across Nova Scotia. And calling all schools in Nova Scotia, our Dare to Dance School program is your chance to bring the magic of dance right to your classrooms. It's not just about moving your feet, it's about inspiring creativity, fostering teamwork, and boosting confidence. Teachers, parents, and students don't miss this incredible opportunity to explore the world of dance. Mark your calendars for April 20th to 29th and join us for the 2024 Nova Scotia Dance Week. For more information and to sign up for the Dare to Dance School program, visit our website at dancens.ca. Let's dance, Nova Scotia. Feel the rhythm, experience the joy, and celebrate the 2024 Nova Scotia Dance Week. Brought to you by Dance Nova Scotia, because dance is for everyone. That's a, a actually a, a really good point in terms of like body awareness. When you're young, you think you're Superman or you're Wonder Woman um, or whoever, like you think that you're more capable a lot of the times than you do because you do have a, a much more range of motion for the most part when you're younger and you don't necessarily notice things because your your activity is for enjoyment for play before you get to that point where it becomes about. I need to do it to advance myself before we're kind of, you know, inundated with, with that or indoctrinated even with, with that kind of thought process. Are there things, I guess, from an early age that youth can start practicing that will take them further and help them earlier? There are small things that they could be doing, whether that's treatment or just in their own everyday life from a massage point, from a stretch point, or or just from a, a maintenance point of view? One of the things I recommend a lot of parents uh, try with their with their kids, and it's, it's, it turns into like a fun type thing, but it gets them exposed to stretching and mobility and, and self-care early on is yoga. Um, there's a lot of really great things in yoga that improve mobility and increases stability around certain joints, flexibility and strength. And that's something that if, if mom or dad does at home, you know, incorporate that into something that you do with your kids. It gets them learning and feeling what stretching feels like and, and what it feels like to contract certain muscles around certain joints. And it just builds that body awareness that um, a lot of us don't have when we're really young. And then the other thing too is if, if mom or dad or someone in the family, a brother or sister, if they are seeing a massage therapist or a physiotherapist or a chiropractor or whatever, let them tag along. So, you know, what is this? What is this? What should I expect? You know, this is a fun, cool kind of thing. You know, that nothing in here hurts. Uh, you leave feeling good. The exposure to conservative therapy and, and, to, and to, to rehab um, at an early age, especially if they have plans to be very competitive um, at a high level for the next, you know, several years, 
just that early early exposure but um definitely the the, the yoga and it's 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 fun it's, it's great to do uh with your kids at home yeah absolutely kids are going to develop the behaviors that we model for them as opposed to what we tell them to do or lecture them right so like Dr. Robeson said, if we have others in the family getting involved and they and it's normalized, they're not going to question it. They're just going to incorporate it. The value of diverse forms of play, if they enjoy other activities, encourage that. If especially as Dr. Robeson was talking about earlier, like the repetitive strain aspect of jumping into the world of dance, continuing to experience a really diverse and varied series of movements through all planes of movement in all directions maintaining the ability to do those with confidence as a kid, they're going to be able to protect themselves better. They're going to be able to replicate movements that they're learning more effectively. That really shouldn't be under undervalued. That moment of transition from this is fun. I really enjoy doing it to I'm taking this seriously. What for you, I guess, as practitioners are things that both the dancer or the athlete should be concentrating on looking at as well as the parent. I know that there's a silence sometimes on one side and an internalism that we want to do better, we want to move forward and not let people think that we're weak or that we can't. And then that can lead to to problems. And then there's the other side where, you know, you have the parent who wants to do everything. But I'm, I'm wondering from both sides, what can they be doing, I guess, to help because I'm not a parent, so I'll, I'll leave that part to uh, to Ryan Young. But unfortunately, usually it takes an injury <laughs> to finally realize that okay, you know, you know, I'm not Superman, I'm not Wonder Woman. This is what it feels like to hurt and not to be able to do my sport. At that point, it's easy because they don't want to feel like that ever again. So there's a there's usually a lot more communication after that. We say this a lot at the clinic, you know, you don't know what you don't know. If you start feeling something, they don't know that that could turn into something else that could prevent them from dancing that month or that year. So unfortunately, sometimes it does take even just a little injury think oh like this this isn't normal like and one of the best things parents can do is just normalizing recovery a lot of the time it's always foot on the gas you know better 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 you know more practice more practice more practice but what i tell all of my parents who have young athletes is if you have a child that is competing in any sport or 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 practicing you know more than three days a week then there should be some form of recovery, rehab, mobility, something that's accompanying that as well. So if you're dancing seven days a week and you're not doing any recovery, I can almost guarantee at some point there is going to be an injury. So when the parent recognizes like, okay, like, yeah, we're dancing three, three times a week, four times a week, five times a week, and we're not doing any recovery, you know, it's time to have a conversation about, you know, well, if we're going to dance five days a week, we're going to do one day a week of, of recovery, whatever that, whatever that looks like. Look, sometimes you have to mask things. It's like, it's like tricking your kids into eating their vegetables. You, you, you almost feel like a bit of a, a spy at times. So to Dr. Robichaud's point, it, how do I insert a day of recovery once training, like practice and training volume starts to ramp up? It could be in the form of, you know, a family hike on a certain day and the kids get to pick the trail you go to, but like unpredictable terrain where it's like something different, right? And you have like a scavenger hunt, like make fun, like age appropriate. 
that's something you can do as well. There's another aspect of this, and, and it's part of the relationships. So you're entering the world of dance, you're developing relationships. So the young dancer with their peers, but also with the dance teachers and the dance studio. And as with any program, there's going to be a culture, a philosophy. And for the parents, having conversations with the people running the program to try to get a sense for is this a very serious group? Is this one more aligned with maintaining a sense of fun and exposure and nurturing? You know, how aligned is what we want for our kid and our kid's personality with this particular program and this group of teachers? Getting a sense of that and being able to manage that. Like that, that I think that's something that is worth noting as a parent, but that's another consideration to, that's worth uh, some time. You've you've both concentrated a lot on, you know, that recovery. And I think for some who are not used to it, to you, what does recovery look like that could be both healing as well as healing from from a um a physical standpoint, but also from a stress standpoint? If you were going to recommend what recovery could look like that looks good. Yeah, recovery can come in a lot of different ways. So there's the obvious structured form of recovery, like having a monthly maintenance appointment with the massage therapist or having, you know, Cairo and massage and physio or whatever, like the appointment based passive recovery. And then in terms of active recovery, you know, what Ryan touched on, is there another activity that the athlete enjoys? Um, do they like, you know, hiking? Do they like playing baseball do they like having a catch in the yard with mom or dad uh, anything like that is something that's not going to be as intensive something that's going to involve other movements other than what they're doing already you know multiple times a week if they enjoy going to the gym if they're if they're at the age now where they're doing some resistance training or if they're doing some um, off-season training, weight training, cardio training, those types of things. Um, and then again, the the yoga thing, you know, yoga can, um, it's very good for, you know, the, the, the physical being and the, and the, the mental side of that too. So um, there's a lot of different things that you can't really force anybody just because, oh, you know, everyone says that this is the best form of recovery. Well, if you, if you hate that form of recovery, then you're, you're never going to do it. So I'm a firm believer in, in enjoying whatever that recovery may be, because if you're not enjoying it, um, you're not really recovering. You're still kind of stressed about the recovery activity. So um, it's kind of finding that, uh, that special interest. I mean, I have some athletes that are, they're competing or practicing those, you know, four to seven times a week. Sometimes their recovery is, Hey, they really like playing call of duty for, you know, a few hours on Saturday, not doing anything great, you know, do that. You know, is this something that's not going to put repetitive stress through the same structures that they're already doing multiple times a week? So we're talking about entering, you know, a new world of an activity, in this case, dance. On the flip side, if a career comes to a point where it ends, you, you want them to maintain a sense of, you know, who they are outside of this one thing. Because if it ever did have to stop, and have been so intricately tied to this one thing that if they can't do it anymore, it creates kind of a bigger ripple effect for them personally. For kids, the lens is a little bit different in that you just want to encourage their enjoyment of a multitude of things, a variety of things. This might be 
the love of their life for the next three years or, or 30 plus years. But it comes down to their confidence. Do they, at some point, they reflect back, they won't have the awareness at this age, at whatever young age they're starting at, but have they devoted so much of themselves that they, they're identified by the fact that they're a dancer? And as a result, do they end up inadvertently lacking confidence, trying to engage in some other aspect of life in their teen years, after high school, et cetera? You don't want that for them. So just maintaining their confidence over a multitude of things as they become more immersed in the world of dance and train and compete at a higher level, helping them find success in dance. And that's going to look different for every kid. It's a, it's a great thing to to explore because I think that sometimes as we do with everything, the word recovery means different things to different people. And I think sometimes we think that it has to be aggressive and because you're trying, you're, you're, you're not thinking of the word recovery in the sense of, you know, letting you rest. You're thinking of it in the terms of trying to make you better or make you ready for the next wave of physical aggression that you need to kind of get into. Right. Um, so it's good to hear that. It's, it, it really is to think about like, you know, about doing something different that takes you out of the regular stressful or strain routines that you're currently in you can still be active but you don't have to be as aggressive and in recovery is i think really important and i think it maybe it's something we don't put enough emphasis on or talk about enough so that people get a sense of what recovery could look like for them yeah that's a good point kenny we see that unfortunately in all pieces of healthcare right now is we go to the doctor when we hurt you know, I'm sure we all have a story that, you know, if only they had have gone for preventative this or that and and knew that this was going on, they would be in a better place now. It's the same thing with this type of, of, of rehab is early prevention and maintenance is way easier than dealing with a crisis when it happens. So just trying to get in the mindset of prevention and maintenance other than I hurt, now I go. You know, at that point, then it's often too late to get you back to that activity, you know, next week. So it's it's the mindset. And that's really hard to get across to people these days because we have been so overwhelmed with our healthcare systems. We are just so used to going to the doctor or to whoever when it hurts, then there's not a lot of prevention or, or, or maintenance anymore. If you're to leave and say to any dancer out there, young or old, what's one thing you would like them to concentrate on? Recovery. <laughs> <laughs> How did I know? <laughs> yeah. And again, that can that can mean a lot of, of, of different things. If, if, if you're somebody who has been lucky enough, if, if your child has been lucky enough to, you know, have been dancing for the past five years and haven't sustained an injury at all, then... You are one of the lucky ones. Um, and if you are one of those people, then maybe think about, you know, talking to a chiropractor or physiotherapist or massage therapist in, in your neighborhood and, you know, just having the conversation. You can just call the clinic and say, hey, I've got a 15-year-old dancer. They're dancing five days a week and they don't have any injury right now. But I'm just wondering, is there anything that, uh, that you can do to kind of help us prevent that from happening? Almost every clinic is going to give you a, a free phone consultation. We certainly do um, at Choice Health Center. So, you know, give us a call. Um, we can certainly talk to the parent. We can talk to the, we talk to the youth and uh, even do an initial assessment and a consultation and, and try to prevent that stuff. So if anyone takes anything away from any of this, it's, it's recovery. 
Yeah, I'll I'll kind of piggyback on that. How I typically frame it for people. So you, how it usually happens, you're treating someone and helping them with their injury or whatever whatever they have going on. And they'll ask a question like, hey, do you work with kids or do you work like with this kind of population? How I frame it for people is it's never going to be the hard sell. We're always striving, Ryan and I, Dr. Robichaud and I are striving to establish ourselves as a trusted resource within the community where people can trust that they can come and get the straight goods about what the best course of action is going to be. And if you think your, your child's going to really enjoy this or you really enjoy this and you'd like to see some element of longevity, having someone in your corner that you can kind of go to who, whether they're going to say, yeah, come in to see me for a treatment or, hey, you know what, that sounds like something that you should really go see this person for someone that you trust in that way is an ace in your back pocket. As someone who's, uh, you know, experienced issues from, I would love to say from uh, doing something super uh, exertive and being really rigorous and on the field. And I was not, it, you know, I learned very, very quickly that even though you think everything is fine, it doesn't necessarily mean it is. And hindsight, as you said, is 2020. And and if I could go back, I would have started things earlier. And I think it's really, it's really good for our dance community, especially our youth to really know that there are ways and practices to kind of approach this, to give them the best play career of dance, as well as the best professional career of dance. And both you don't have to be become, you know, have your mind set and your eyes set on being a professional to take care of your body because you may veer and go into another sport or into another, you know, you become become like a rock climber for all I know. And you you still need to practice those things. So regardless of what it is that's giving you joy at a young age, practicing and, and making sure you're taking care of yourself early will help you out later on. 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. I think that this is a conversation that I think it's really important. And I think that it's just the start of us looking at the wellness side of dance. Not only that dance itself brings you health and wellness, but also that there is a health and wellness component to it that exists prior to a professional eye, you know, in, in this world. So I, I, I value your time and thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having us, Kenny. We appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thanks very much, Kenny. It was great. Dance Nova Scotia is extremely excited to showcase the music of Nova Scotia artists each episode. Dance and music share a long connected history. We encourage dancers and choreographers to explore the incredible music talent in Nova Scotia when considering music to pair with their artistic expression. This episode, we are excited to showcase Nova Scotia rising star, Burry. Burry is a dynamic and cutting-edge musician from Halifax, Nova Scotia, who effortlessly combines elements of indie, rock, and pop to craft an unforgettable musical experience. Recognized as a Canadian East Coast Music Award nominee in 2022, Burry solidified their status as one of the most promising talents in the East Coast music scene. Their music is a vibrant tapestry of colorful lyrics and melodies that resonate with audiences on a profound level. What sets Bury apart is not just their musical prowess, but their unapologetic embrace of their identity. As a non-binary artist, they boldly navigate the music industry, fearlessly tackling subjects like mental health and openly addressing their queerness. They serve as an inspiration for those seeking representation and validation in the music world. 
They use their platform to amplify the voices of those who often go unheard, both within and outside the music industry. Their commitment to inclusivity is a testament to their character and a driving force behind their work. Burry is an artist who defies convention and invites us all to celebrate our authentic selves. Keep an eye on this rising star as their music and advocacy promise to leave an indelible mark on the world of music and beyond. Dance Nova Scotia is proud to showcase the incredible talent of Burry.
Dance Nova Scotia is pleased to highlight a few of the many upcoming dance events happening across the province. Wantanara Drum and Dance will kick off a new eight-week session of West African dance classes beginning Tuesday, January 9, 2024. Weekly classes will start at 5.30 p.m. in Dance Space, the Dance Nova Scotia Community Studio in the Lighthouse Arts Centre in downtown Halifax. For more information, contact Wantanara Drum and Dance by phone at area code 902-999-6315 or by email at info at wantanaradrumdance.ca. Cadence Dance Academy, located in New Minus, will be hosting a Nutcracker holiday party on Sunday, December 17th from 12 to 3 p.m. Hosted for children ages 4 to 10, join them for an afternoon of dancing, crafts, and special guest performances. For more information or to register, connect with Cadence Academy online at cadenceacademy.ca. New Dance Nova Scotia's Dance for Health Seniors classes will be starting in various regions around the province in January. For information on class locations, email danceforhealth at dancens.ca. Have an event you'd like to share? Connect with us online at dancens.ca and add your events to our community calendar today. Thank you for listening to United in Dance, the Dance Nova Scotia podcast. To learn more about the podcast, please connect with us by emailing office at dancens.ca or check us out online at www.dancens.ca. Oh, 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 oh,